lovely to have a new drummer. Not that our older drummers are bad, but it's just lovely, isn't it? It's just lovely. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay. Amen. Let's just give thanks now for his word. We just thank you, Lord, as we treasure your word. We thank you that it is, Lord, that wonderful wisdom and source of truth and life. And we pray that you'll open it to us this morning, Lord, and bless it to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I've got a title there, Renew a City. We have been on a bit of a journey which is uh, encapsulating the vision of Restore Church to rebuild the individual, uh, to restore the community and to renew a city. It's the ripples going out from individual to community to city to nation to world, you know. So uh, we're in the city today. So what we're going to do, first of all, is just to read a great, great passage uh, of Scripture, um, uh, which I want to share with you. Just to say the yellow bits are mine, uh, because I just wanted to put in there just a little thing of what I saw in each of these verses. This is from Isaiah chapter 58. Uh, it, it is. It's a great, great passage. Um, but it speaks of these things like freedom and mercy. So we're just going to just capture that on our way through it, will you? We're going to read verses uh, 6 to 44, and, and we'll find these themes cropping up uh, as we visit this subject and this message this morning. So, uh, Isaiah 58, verse, from verse 6, is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you may, that you break every yoke. That's about freedom. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him and that you hide, uh, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? There's something about mercy, the mercy of God. Then your light will break forth like the morning and your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you, the, Lord, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of wickedness and speaking wickedness. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. That's a testimony, isn't it? That your darkness became as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones and you shall be a watered garden like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundation of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Can you pick up that word dwell? The restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn away from doing your pleasure on my holy day, I find this very convicting. If you turn away from doing your pleasure on my holy day, what day is God's holy day? 
it's a Sunday for us. It's Resurrection Sunday. It used to be a Saturday Sabbath, but in the New Testament, it moved to a Resurrection Sunday. How long is it the Lord's Day for? An hour? Two? 24 hours? If it's the Lord's Day, is it not the Lord's Day? It's the Lord's Day. Today is the Lord's Day. And it's all of His. And call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord. Honorable shall honor Him. Not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. You know, this is the fast that I have chosen. I've never been great at fasting, I must say, except that I do it every night. And then when I get up in the morning, I have something called break fast. I think it's a wonderful word. You know, French call it petit déjeuner, little dinner. They lose the point of it completely. You know, it's to break your fast. Well, I, d I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure the Lord really says that's enough. But, but nevertheless, this is the fast that God has chosen. It's not to do something which just looks pious and, and, and do it as a ritual. It's something which impacts life and society. It's to feed the poor. It's to clothe them. It's to have mercy. It's to raise up testimony. It's to, it's to break out noonday light into places of darkness. There are so many things in this glorious passage. And it talks about rebuild the broken places, repair the breach which has happened. And, and so it just brings us to that place. We've got this verse as well, which we've been looking at, it based on Isaiah 61.4. They shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. Well, there's some desolation around us, um, uh, but uh, it needs rebuilding. I'm always interested. I, um, I, I'm sure I've shared with you, I know, I know I have along the way, that it's been my joy and pleasure to chair churches together in Plymouth since 2007, and, um, and I'm just sharing that role now and changing it a bit, but I, I've been in that place um, because God called me to it. And every year I've run a, uh, a conference for the city leaders called City Transformation. And, um, and we talk about transforming the city. But if I talk to the council about transforming the city, they're up for it as well. They want to transform the city. And do you know what they talk about? They talk about road schemes <laughs> and things like that. That's transforming the city. <laughs> well, it is transforming the city as far as getting around on roads is concerned. But there's something deeper. There's something deeper about our vision for transforming the city. And it's got to do with people and hearts and, and building confidence and a way forward and a destiny for people. So it's something completely different. And, and in that sense, to repair the ruined city, which has, which has had many generations of hurt. So, renew a city. Uh, we'll go to the uh, first point I'd like to share with you today, that God creates places, stroke cities, individually. And there's a lovely photo which is used on our website, God creates them. Now, are you aware that you are a creation of God? That you are completely individual? That God knew you from your mother's womb and had a, a hand upon your life because he created you to be different from every other individual. Nobody else can be like you. Did you also know that God created places? That he created the mountains, the hills, the rivers, that he set the limit of the sea? That, um, that he created 
all of this world, in, it was in his mind and he's created it. And just as he has created you as an individual, he has created places as an individual. He has created you with a purpose, but he has also created places and cities with a purpose. And we're talking about the city of Plymouth because that is the city to which we recognize our calling and our place. And it may be that you live in the city. It may be that you work in the city. It may be that you church in the city. It may be that you go to clubs or recreation or something in the city. But something, or shops, who knows that you go to the shops in the city. But something draws you to this place of Plymouth, which has become the place of our calling and, and our, our being in God. And so... And so God creates places and cities individually, and indeed he has, just as he can have a prophetic word over a person, he brings a prophetic word to a city in the same way. So what I'd like to do is um, look at a few uh, things about this city, um, and uh, because Plymouth is our city, and, uh, and just, just delve into it a little bit. For one thing, there's 265,000 people who live here. That's a lot of people in a lot of streets and houses. And when we tend to think about rebuilding a city, well, the city, as far as that city transformation is concerned, it's got to be about the gospel. Absolutely got to be about the gospel. Because the first thing, when Steve shared that scripture from Isaiah 61 uh, last week about um, he's he has anointed his Holy One, Jesus, to preach good news to the poor, number one, to, uh, uh, to, to, bring, to bring comfort, to uh, give sight to the blind, to uh, bring freedom to the captives. You'll remember all those things. 265,000 people who need that. But a city is more than that. A city has structure. A city has history. It has geography. It has people with an emphasis. Well, for one thing, Plymouth has a unitary authority in the council. So, whereas in a town you might have a town council and a county council sort of thing and different levels, Plymouth's not like that. It is a unitary authority. It has one council. It has a council leader, um, and it has the uh, political leader and the officer leader. The political leader, Richard Bingley, at the moment, but it's been changing quite regularly. The, uh, the council leader, um, Tracy Lee, who's been there quite a long time now. Um, so it has a, a lead, it has something about, yes, there's one source of authority and leadership going on. And so we want to engage with the council. We want to pray for the council. We want to speak to the council. I'll come back to that later. It's a basic, sorry, too fast. <laughs> uh, it's a basic, a uh, police basic command unit. They call it a BCU, a basic command unit. Uh, Devon and Cornwall is the constabulary, Devon and Cornwall. It's split into three basic command units. One is all of Cornwall, one is the rest of Devon, and one is Plymouth. So Plymouth has its own police commander. Um, I meet with him about three or four times a year, and, uh, and he engages with us, and he loves what he loves what Christians do. He loves Shekinah Mission to the Homeless and street pastors on the streets and food banks helping people out. And, and he, he, he loves these things so we can deal with them. It is the largest manufacturer southwest of Birmingham. There's more manufacturing than Bristol or any other city between them. 
He's got the largest of the Southwest hospitals, 70 GP surgeries. He's got interested in health. 70 GP surgeries across this city. It's been an asylum dispersal city since 2001. Asy asylum dispersal city since 2001. There are 104 care homes in the city. Do they need, do they need pastoral care? A church is interested in what goes on there? Absolutely. There are 150 sports clubs. I found this really interesting. In my Churches Together hat, I got a phone call one day from somebody in Bristol. And he phoned me up and he said, I'm really interested in Christians witnessing through their sports clubs. There are 150 sports clubs in Plymouth. I thought, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> somebody from Bristol told me that. And uh, I love sport as well. I, I used to play squash and go there to the club. I don't so much these days, sadly. But I used to a lot, and, and I always used to sit down at the end of 40 minutes thrashing about in a sweaty, pathetic heap at the end. And then I used to say, so what do you do? And how's life for you? And then I'd wait for the rebound questions so that I could tell them about what it's like for me and what I do. And, um, and, and always use that as a point of witness because sometimes we can, we can get ourselves withdrawn into a Christian bubble that our friends are Christians, we work with Christians, we don't see all these other myriads of people. Get into a sports club and you do. I don't mind if it's the squash club or the jigsaw club, you know. Get into something where you meet people and touch with people. And then I put the sectors down there, military, business, and public sectors, because Christian, Christians can touch everyone. There's something just about the city of Plymouth. And the other thing I wanted to mention is there are 52 Plymouths in the world. Get this, there is only one that is so named because it is at the mouth of the river Plym, Plym Mouth. Which means that every 51 other ones have been named after us. Why is that? Because of what goes out from the city. The ships, the seamanship, which has gone out from the city over the time. And our history testifies to the fact that what has gone out from the city has been, has been restoration, and rescue in many ways. Um, it was the oppression of the Spanish Armada and ships went out from here. Uh, it was the oppression of the Napoleonic Wars which were all based uh, around a godlessness um, uh, and a secular society and that's when they got rid, in the, in the French Revolution, they got rid of their monarchy, their, uh, their, their church leaders, uh, anybody who was nobility, they guillotined the lot and, and went totally secular. And France is a terribly secular country. If you, if you go and immerse there, you'll find out that's right. Is that right, Brian? It certainly is. His daughter lives there. He knows it certainly is. So we were rescued from that, from ships that went out from here. We were rescued partly from here in World War II. It has been so key over the years. I want us to, we can move on now, Ladine. I wanted just to pick up this because this is something from our spiritual forefathers of coming through here. Now, that is the Plymouth Crest, and written across the bottom of it, it says, Torres Fortisma and Nomen Jehovah. And because you all speak Latin, you know exactly what that means. Uh, what it actually means is from Proverbs 18, verse 10, and what it means is the name of the Lord is the strongest tower. Okay, now the shield, if you look at it, has got four towers on it, and that's because Plymouth was protected in its bygone age by four 
tower, four, four castles dotted around the city. There's only one of them remaining, a ruin at the end of what's called Castle Street on the Barbican. It doesn't look very massive or great, but actually the castles were really quite successful in protecting the city. But the city elders thought, we've got four castles protecting Plymouth, but the name of the Lord is the strongest tower. And they put their trust in God. And that, was, that can be seen many times through our history as well. I've spoken a bit about this in a previous message, I know, but it was seen through the Civil War and at various times that God has rescued this city because the name of the Lord is the strongest tower. That Proverbs 18 verse 10 finishes by saying what I've put at the bottom, and the righteous run into it and are safe. And so something about the purpose of Plymouth is to provide safety, to provide safety. And the church can be a safe place. The church is a safe place because it has a safe destiny. It has a safe outlook. It has a safe eternity. And so we preach safety when we preach the gospel. But also, if you think about it, this whole thing of being an asylum, uh, a, a dispersal city for asylum seekers since 2001, ever since that date, people coming into the country, it's organized from Cardiff, and they organized dispersal across the nation, and they've been sending about 30 um, asylum seekers to Plymouth every month in all that time, that's, that's the dispersal city routine, uh, to be embedded into life. And... So it has brought care and welcome and safety to those who are fleeing tyranny uh, and, and desperate circumstances over all that time. Because the name of the Lord is the strongest town. We welcome people in and the righteous can run here and be safe, especially when they're given safe place to live, safe place to work, and a safe place to worship. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So let's look, uh, just delve in a little bit more. We're going to look at what I've called streams of the city life, streams of city life. One of the church leaders had a, a picture of, of a vision of, of, um, of, of streams being sort of cut through the city, trenches being cut through the city to allow the spirit of God to flow into the city and through the city. And the streams of the city go through its organization. So I've put at the top is governance um, and service to the city. The council um, govern the city of what's going to happen, but they also run public services. Now, for one, for one thing, I, I just want to mention this. It was in 2008 that, that uh, our Churches Together in Plymouth brought Les Isaacs uh, to, the, to a, a meeting with church leaders here. Les Isaacs is the visionary Christian who raised up street pastors um, that time ago. Um, he came to the city and shared that vision. But what had happened just before it was this. The then council leader was Vivian Pengeli, if you remember her at all. She was the council leader, and when she stepped into that role, she wanted to know more about the city, and she went out with the police into the nighttime economy, and she saw the nighttime economy and some people enjoying themselves and some people going too far and getting into fights or getting drunk, and she saw the vulnerability of so many young girls who were there on the streets, maybe having to try and get a taxi, walk home alone, and, and she was really worried about the vulnerability of girls in the city late at night. And then there was a Christian in the city, happened to be called Louise, uh, and she came, she came knocking on Vivian's, uh, Pengeli's door, bounced into her office and said, we'd like to have street pastors in the city. They will patrol the city every Saturday night between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. to make sure people are safe. 
And, and she brought these two uh, experiences together and was delighted when it was set up. What I can tell you is this. The council, since 2008, has invested thousands and thousands of pounds in street pastors in the city. The council recognizes its worth and gives to it. Law and order, the work of the police. Well, the police set up a, um, an independent advisory group, and I was welcome to sit on it since 2011, and that's why I've known every police chief between now and then, because they want advice uh, about uh, what's happening in the city and how things can be made better. And the times that I've gone to people in council police and said, do you realize there's 120 churches in the city? And so many of them have a sanctuary like this and a hall and toilets and a kitchen and they can put on functions. Uh, and we, we, what we did was um, to, uh, to do an audit of all the things right across the city done in and by churches, not for themselves, not their Sunday morning meetings, not their Tuesday morning prayer meetings, but for the community. And we added together the work done for old people's luncheons and parent and toddlers and youth groups and family liaison and helping the homeless and, and doing something for the drug addicted. Um, and it went on and on. Uh, and then we brought it together and, and wanted to give it a value. So we added up all the volunteer hours that went on, times it by, by minimum wage, and, and it turned out to eight million pounds worth of of constructive social cohesion work which churches were doing regardless of the taxpayer. They were just doing it for ministry. Did we see the word mercy when we went through Isaiah 58? Mercy and goodness brought and righteousness brought into a city. Education, is God interested in education? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. I've got a friend who was the uh, chair of governors of a primary school. Uh, he was a Christian man, and so he volunteered because they were asking if the year six could hot-seat a Christian and ask them questions. So we said, okay. So he was hot-seated, and he had a, a class of year six firing questions at him. So you're a Christian. Well, what does that mean? Well, what do you believe? Well, what do you do? And, and he'd say, well, why do you read the Bible, and what does that mean to you, and what difference does it make to your life? And they just fired questions at him. And so then the teacher thought, oh, well, next week, maybe I'll have to bring in a Muslim so as they could, my class can hot-seat a Muslim. So they, they found a Muslim, and they brought in a Muslim, and, and the children fired questions at the Muslim. And then the following week, the teacher asked them to reflect upon what they'd learned. And the children said, when we talked to the Christian, he talked to us about relationship. When we talked to the Muslim, he talked to us about rules. What a lovely difference it can make to be able to hot seat a Christian. How many primary schools are in this city? I did put it up on the screen, 80. 80 primary schools with teachers trying to teach about Christianity who don't know Christ. They need the resource of the church. Health. Um, Jenny, not here today because we've lost eight of our women. I'm quite surprised we're here and we're still standing and we're managing without them. But, you know, praise the Lord. You know, Steve's still here, and he hasn't got his wife with him all weekend, and, you know, he's just just, just, just managing. But, um, but Jenny, who's not here and is on this thing, she's just starting being a chaplain at Mount Gold Hospital. Um, how wonderful. My mother was in Mount Gold Hospital for four months. Um, chaplains make so much difference there in, in, in health and in care, the chaplaincies across the, uh, across the city. Art and sports, I've mentioned sports. Media. Oh my goodness, how many cities have their own Christian radio station, Crossrhythms? 
How many cities have the Chronicle newspaper raised up by Christians and put through 90,000 doors every month, uh, once a month, which has an editorial stance of we won't bring the gossip and the rubbish and the bad stuff. We'll bring good news and say what's going on in the city. That's their Christian editorial stance. So there's mighty things to engage with, streams running through the city. It's not just your neighbors. It's not just the streets and the houses, because actually people go to work in health and education, in business, in commerce, in all these things. You do that. I do that. And there's Christian witness to happen in all these places. There's the kingdom of God to be flowing in in these places. Right, next screen. says, a city is renewed by the gospel and the kingdom. Because, yes, the gospel is the answer. But for those churches that just say, well, come and hear the gospel, you know, actually many of those churches have died away. Um, uh, the Brethren churches are built uh, on the fact that they will gather around the Lord's table in the morning and have a gospel meeting in the evening. Uh, and they say, well, this, this area is without excuse because we've, we had a gospel service and they should have come and listened. Well, they should have come and listened and it would be nice if they heard, could have done. But I'll tell you this. The gospel goes out on the wings of mercy and love. People look for mercy and people look for love. And when Christians can show that they will care for the whole person, they get much further. So what's food banks about? Food banks, you don't go in there to get your food uh, and you're told, well, of course, you're going to hell and you need to accept Jesus Christ into your heart and, and life. They're not told that because the food bank is loving the whole person. And when, when somebody begins to twig this, um, I, I've known of one food bank that was set up on the, on the uh, Tuesday and a Thursday morning, but they set up what they called at the same time because they had the space, a listening cafe. Because you see, the people who went to the food bank didn't just need food. They needed to share their hearts. They were in bad places. They needed hope. And so they set up a listening cafe. And so then when the person could say, I'm so grateful for this bag of food, whatever it is about this church that makes them do this, and you could say that's because of the love of God. And he showed that to me in this way, and he'd love to show you as well. And it opens up the doors on the wings of mercy and the wings of God's love. And so it's a kingdom thing. And, uh, and the kingdom, kingdom principles make a difference in business. They make a difference in council. They make a difference in hospitals and in schools. And, and, and to pray for those kingdom things to flow through the city and, to, and, and for the city to uh, be with them and to engage them. So uh, in Churches Together, we, we've tried to talk about, speak about, and pray about a vision which has happened in some places where it says, well, well um, is anybody involved in education um, at all, in schools or something like that? There may be one or two. Bless your heart. There two, there you are, two in the church. I was a primary school teacher and head teacher back along, but two now. Well, we could pray for education and we could pray for two people. But what if we were to get together all the Christians in the city who are involved in education? For them to be together and say, let's pray together about Christians in education. What's it like for you? What's it like for me? How can we raise up the testimony? How can we resource each other better? How can we penetrate with the kingdom of God further into our place? Same with health. If people are involved in health in the city, why not get the Christians right across the city who are involved in health together? Or the police, or sports clubs, 
how can we have a better witness in, in those places that we spend our uh, leisure time in? So the kingdom can press in and move through. Um, okay, we'll go to the next one, which actually shows, uh, that's off the actual old website for Churches Together, 120 churches right across the city. And, um, and it also shows them listed by denomination, uh, because that, that's how strangely the church seems to organize itself. Um, there was one church uh, all the time, it was just Catholic, until 1517 when Luther came in and started the Reformation. Now there's 26,000 denominations. What's that about? What's that about? Actually, how many churches are there? One church. One church. And when, um, when uh, there was a message given to the churches in Revelation, we'll come to the screen in a bit actually, it was given to one church, one city. So what does it say? We'll move on to the next screen, which is, raises up this wonderful verse, Jeremiah 29, 7. Seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be. I have a special heart and calling for Plymouth. God spoke to me a bit like he spoke to Steve when he was doing Eat Out to Help Out. Um, God spoke to me in the middle of Plymouth Sound. I was on a Navy ship standing to attention in a line like they do a yard apart. And, and as we came through Plymouth Sound, God dropped into my head, this is the place where I want you to live and work and serve me. Three months later, I came here for the second time, driving, and thought I felt like coming home. And so I came home with a calling to this place. And then many, 30 years later, uh, when, it, when it was said amongst a group of people praying, oh, we need a new person to do churches together in Plymouth, God dropped it into my head. And he said, it could be you, it could be you. And so I stepped into that role. So I've got a special heart for that place. But if you work here or live here or shop here, then actually seek the peace of the city to which you have been caused to be carried away captive because they were in Babylon and pray to the Lord for it, for its peace, for its peace, for, sorry, for in its peace, you will have peace, which is why we engage with prayer for the council and police and for the business, because in its peace, you will have peace. Do you know, when Christians prosper, the city prospers. And, uh, and the more we can invade the space of city life, which is through all those different ways, the more the city, the city will prosper. And so we have this um, strap line. Uh, we can go on to the next. No, we don't. Sorry. No, go back. <laughs> We have this strap line in churches together, one church, many congregations, um, and, and it's thinking that actually uh, we can, we're, we're brought together in one. But let me tell you this, just like we see ourselves in a local church, which is entirely right and proper as the body of Christ, with people who are ears or eyes or feet or hands, people of different gifts of teaching or pastoring or evangelism or, or care or mercy or administration all those, or music or worship, all those different gifts come together. Actually, a city is like that as well with its churches. And so it's St. Andrew's which looks after the sort of civic care of the city and has things which go on in it. It's St. Matt's which particularly reached out to students and grew from 30 to 500 as it, as it had that outreach there. It's Methodist Central Hall which raised up the food bank and offers that care to people. It's City Church, which brought the vision and the message of street pastors to the city. It's Redeemer Church, which has set up the Open Doors Language School for asylum seekers and refugees. It's Morris Baptist Church, which set, set up a ministry 
called Crossroads Fun and Fellowship for adults with special needs, educational needs. It was New Life that set up Salt Southwest, sexual assault listening therapy for those who have suffered in that way. It was Cornerstone which set up Media or Cross Rhythms uh, and the Chronicle. It was Motley Baptist which raised up a ministry for homeless and addicts on a weekly basis. It was Hope Baptist which raised up the Soup Run and then shared it out. And over the last 40 years, 365 days a year, soup runners taken out meals to the homeless and destitute and needy every, every night. Do we need each other? I'll tell you, one of the things I read recently in my Bible, it's saying, uh, I think it was Philippians 2 verse 2, but it said something like, um, be lowly in mind, considering others better than yourselves. I'll tell you, churches are almost the worst at that. Don't we consider our church the best? You know, assemblies of God are the most true. It's not just us. Almost every church has the, has the idea that, well, we've got the really true way. And the other's all a little bit off. <laughs> it's resonating. But you see, if, if you meet together and you have the attitude of, oh dear, well, of course, you're not quite the best, otherwise you'd be here. It's not a very nice conversation, is it? But where you can honor one another, to realize is there are differences in understanding. That if we have the main thing as the main thing, that Jesus is the Savior, we have a Trinitarian understanding of the gospel, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then whether, whether people worship in robes or happy clappy or in whatever way, you know, God creates diversity. And it's not uniformity, but it's unity in diversity. And we can honor one another and recognize that all of God's people bring something. I don't understand why people want to wear robes and do funny ritual things. But, you know, God is with them when they love him. And it's the kingdom of God flowing through a place. So we honor one another and we realize that God has put together this network. I'll tell you something else. God will not trust any one church with his prophetic word for that place, that city. What if he gave all the prophetic light to one church in this city? Would it be big enough to house everybody? Could it just extend so much that it looked after everything? I mean, no, God shares it out so that he raises up one church with one part of a picture, another church with another part of a picture. What's important is to play our part. What's important is for us to step into that place. I'll go on to my last point, which is to that this is for more than a visitation, it's for a habitation. God wants to do more than visit you and give you a lovely feeling of his presence so that you go out and you carry on. He wants to do more than that in a city as well. So let's look at a couple of verses together. In, next screen. In Leviticus 26, 11 and 12. I will set my habitation among you, and my soul shall not abhor you, and I will walk among you, and will be your God, and you shall be my people. Bring it into New Testament, Ephesians 2.22. In him, too, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives in his spirit. And get this, Revelation chapters 2 and 3, the angel from heaven, the, through the angel of each church, Jesus Christ speaks from heaven to seven churches, and opens up each one to the angel of the church of Ephesus, 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 Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. 
the angel of the church of each one say, and it brings this message of personal commendation and critique. Imagine that. Plymouth has its own angel. It has its own message from God. How awesome to get a grip of that. Because one, it, let he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Um, there was a, a church leader back along who said, when the tide comes in, all the boats rise. And then he happened to live by Who Lake. And as he looked around Who Lake and Plimstock, he saw a few wrecks around the corner where boats had become skeletons and covered in seaweed. And as the tide came up, they stayed static in the mud. And when the tide went down, they were just exposed again. But all of the rest of the boats rose with the tide. And then when the tide went out, they went down. And there was this word brought to the city. When the tide comes in, all the boats will rise. When the Spirit of God moves in through the city to make it not just a visitation, but a place of habitation, because we've touched the council and we've touched the health and we've touched the schools and we've been to the care homes and we've witnessed in the streets and we're touching the sports clubs and we're there bringing chaplaincy in shops or sports or clubs or wherever it is where you are and when I am in individual places, God has a calling of habitation on each one, then all the churches and the kingdom of God will rise. Some may be dead. Some may be so skeleton that they're left in the mud as the tide comes up. But for all of those who can feel and sense the spirit of God swirling around them, they will be lifted up. Now, six hours after the moon has dragged the, uh, the tide up, it lets go and the tide goes out again. If you don't understand that, come and talk to me afterwards. I love to talk about these things. But with the Spirit of God, it's different. If you think about that vision in Ezekiel as the Spirit of God flowed, the river flowed from under the temple and flowed out. Ezekiel was caught first ankle deep and then knee deep and then thigh deep and then deep enough to swim. And whereas the moon lets go the tide and it goes back down again, the Spirit of God doesn't get let go. It just got deeper until you weren't paddling. And if you're paddling... If you're paddling in the things of God, then get a bit deeper. Get knee deep, get thigh deep until we're swimming, until we're feeling the swirl and the move of God because it's only the Holy Spirit and our obedience to it. It's only as God is a habitation in us that he can be a habitation in our city, our place. And God has a calling upon 265,000 lives and businesses and all those things to renew a city. What a powerful vision as we share that out in God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Awesome. Just hang around for two minutes, Chris, actually. Just as we close, very quickly, just bring up the crest for me. There's a couple of things I noticed prophetically. I just wanted to speak in. Uh, the crest of the city, if that's okay, Levine. Wonderful. So Chris talked about the four, the four tires, the four towers, and that the name of the Lord that they entrusted God as the strongest. One thing I've 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 stared at this a few times since I've come to the city, but you will notice above the four towers is a crown, and the line of the tribe of Judah, his arm, sticking out, and the anchor, being held by God. So here's the powerful thing. We can anchor ourselves in God. 
we can anchor ourselves in God. And we have a responsibility to help others find their port. Yes? This is a, this is a, I'm using sailing terminology. and I'm not using it very good, I'm sure. Uh, Chris is the expert on this. But, but the, just the image as Chris was talking, I just thought that that's God's arm holding the anchor there. And that we, we have the opportunity to be anchored in God. The other thing is this. This is what's been floating around. Chris opened up and he spoke about that there's, there is a Christian and heritage in this city, yes? The Bible speaks of Abraham, father Abraham, yes? This is what happens. Abraham digs wells. He dug wells around the nations, yes? Those wells were then covered up. It was then Isaac's generation that had the responsibility to unearth the wells and set forth the blessing of Gan and forth into a city. We are an Isaac generation church. Yeah. If you grasp that, I will preach on that one day. But if you read the Bible and you understand that truly, that is very powerful. Right now, God is raising in this city, in the city of Plymouth, an Isaac generation. Yes? And what Chris has shared with us was very powerful. If you take on everything that has been said, we have a great responsibility to unearth the spiritual wells that were once laid and dug. It's time for Plymouth to once more be a city that sends out into nations. Come on. A city that sends out into nations. Yes? Come on, let's stand. Chris, why don't you pray for us as we close? Loving Father, as we stand before you now, I just feel your spirit would press in upon us. Not because you want to weigh us down, Lord, but because you want to fill us and fill us anew with a vision of the glory and the wonder of God which would spread across this place. And Lord, in our prayers, we want to encompass this whole uh, city and region with the light of God and the glory of the Lord and pray that you would come in a new and a fresh way and, and, and raise up your kingdom in this place, Lord. But we know you need hands and feet. Uh, you need workers for the harvest is plentiful, Lord, but the laborers are few. But you have put your laborers in places right across the city, in strategic places. And there's not one of us who hasn't got a strategic work for you to do. And not one of us, Lord, who hasn't come. We just don't go out with, with uh, a sense of let's go and do something. But we go out with calling. We go out with purpose. We go out with the Lord. Lord, we don't want to just have a prayer with you in the morning and then get into our day. We want you to... to be uh, inhabiting our whole day, Lord, to grasp us. That lovely verse, Lord, I will, I will grasp hold of that for which God has grasped hold of me. And so, Father, may we present ourselves once more to you and say, Lord, take us, we pray. Use us to fill the gap which, which you have 
created and only we can fill it, Lord. And we pray that we might have a unity of heart and spirit for our place. We pray for the incoming of the Holy Spirit. We pray for a raising of the tide, for a lifting of the things of God, that your glory may be seen and known. For it says, Lord, the knowledge and the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the sea, as the ocean is covered by the seas, Lord. We, we just praise you that you are mighty. You are our God, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you for being in church this morning. It's been great to be with you. And uh, we just pray that the presence of God pours out as you move into your week. Please join us midweek for all the great things that are going off. And we look forward to seeing you uh, either during the week or next Sunday. God bless you. Please stay for coffee and tea and fellowship. God bless and we'll see you soon.